Putting money to actions by investing in improving yourself and your business. How Rocky Lavane shifted his mindset from scarcity to abundance. You will want to hear his steps on how he created new habits that ultimately created his success. His motto is iron sharpens iron. When you brush iron against each other, you get sparks and heat. However, you have to be willing to accept that sharpening. Are you ready to accept the sharpening? Stay tuned for his inspiring interview. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks. I have found the secret to transforming trauma into treasure. We start by choosing to invest in ourselves first, and then it overflows onto others. By sharing how we have overcome our obstacles, we ignite a tiny spark of hope, love, connection, and community in other people. And when we ignite that spark, the whole world lights up. And that's the power of investing in people. Just imagine what you could ignite when you invest in yourself first. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. Today, my guest is the amazing Rocky Lovani. Rocky, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. How are you? Great. So we met, gosh, in person about a week ago <laughs> uh, on the as I was running out to leave a podfest last week in Orlando. That is correct. But we knew each other online because we're in an, another community together. Yeah, we're in a mastermind together. And it's just funny how you run into people um, that you know online in person and you're like, oh, my gosh, you. Oh, my gosh, you. <laughs> so I'm so glad that you uh, saw me and we ran in together. It was great meeting you in person. You you look like your picture. And so it was <laughs> it was easy to go, hey, I know that person. Oh, well, that's good. Sometimes people don't look like their picture and you're like. Okay, I'm not sure you you are who you say you are. <laughs> and that some people, happen. and some, sorry not to interrupt you, some people have, you know, different things, their logo as their picture, so you have no idea what they really look like. That's true. You have to put the, the name and the face together. And so, for whatever reason, it, it clicked for me that day. I'm like, hey! Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, Rocky Lavani is a financial coach, MBA, enrolled agent IRS. He helps business owners achieve financial success and utilize the profits from their business to live a life of abundance. Duh. Yay. We all need that. Rocky is the millionaire next door. He started out with basically nothing when his parents immigrated to the United States when he was just two years old and his dad was 42. It was his parents' second big move in life and they were starting over again to create the American dream. In spite of a lot of struggles and his mom passing away when he was seven, he has been able to achieve financial success and wants to share the lessons he learned along the way so others can achieve their success much faster. What a story. So, yeah, I, I just want to dive right in and, and hear all about that. And so I always start off my guests with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? 
you know, I come from a financial background. So to me, investing means money, right? It's putting the money where your words are and actually taking action. So I know at this point in my life, I, I invest five figures a year in improving myself. So it's, it's a variety of different things. It's mastermind groups, coaches, events, uh, courses that I sign up for, programs that I do, books. Uh, you can learn from podcasts. I mean, there's so many ways today to improve yourself, to learn, and to make those types of changes. And so I spend quite a bit of money just constantly working on how do I improve myself. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You are the poster boy for investing in yourself. So how has investing in yourself, how has it overflowed onto your business, onto your community, your family? So I think one of the biggest things is it was a a massive mind shift from where I was before. So kind of going from scarcity to abundance. Mm. And like now when I talk to people and I go out and people are People are, especially in business, everyone thinks everyone's competing with everyone. And I don't compete with anyone in the sense that if we're a good fit and you want to work with me, great. If you want to work with the person next to me, let me support you in making that connection. Go work with them. For me, it's more important that you succeed than I'm your customer, you know, that you become my customer. So I think that's big. One of the biggest things uh, with the kids and family is it's learning not to put expectations on them. It's learning to accept them for who they are. I've got teenage kids, um, one in college, one about to leave. And it's like, hey, find your path. How do I support what you want to do, not what I want you to do? Um, so it's, it's just kind of, I think, a big part of it is letting go of our expectations and embracing what is and just being... I don't know what the right, just being content in that. I mean, that doesn't mean that you don't strive to do better, but you learn not to to be on the hamster wheel, so to speak. You know, there's better ways to do things in a, in a little bit slower, more thoughtful way. Perfect, perfect example. And I agree with you 100% on the uh, letting go of expectations. So many times we're attached to the outcome of what we think someone should should be doing. So you talked about um, something I personally love to talk about, the scarcity to abundance mindset. So tell us, how did you, what what happened? What shifted? What, what did you go through to get there? So a lot of that came probably, I'm thinking almost 10 years ago. I So I, as we talked about, I always built financial wealth. I grew up in a family that talked about money, that we understood principles around money. And so I was always constantly amazed that there weren't more rich people in America. There weren't more people who had a lot of financial success. I'm like, I don't understand this whole thing. And one day I was reading an article and it, the person who was talking, I was like, oh my God, he's finally helping me to understand how people think about money. And it was Rami Chetty. And he's got that you know, I will teach you to be rich. And so I just kind of started reading more of his material and he kind of helped me understand why people think the way they do about money. And then he had a program that he had offered um, years ago. It was called RBT. It 
kind of like a brain trust. So it was every month he put out a video and we had a community and it was kind of almost magical. You were all of a sudden in a group of people who were willing to help each other with no expectations of anything in return. And so I just kind of joined the group to say, hey, what is this going to look like? And as part of that, one of the things that came out of that is people said, um, what do you need help with? And I'm like, well, I'm overweight and I need help with that. And so they, they introduced me to Tim Ferriss in the four hour body. And so that began a whole journey where I lost 50 pounds and I, I've been able to keep most of that off. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. And then through those videos, I was constantly introduced to a lot of different people that had very different mindsets. And you've got to realize this is seven, eight, nine years ago. People weren't vulnerable, right? Mm. I got introduced to Brene Brown through that thing. And that was when she was first coming out with what she was talking about. And so I think the world has shifted during that time, and I've shifted with it. But the group just had people who were pushing others to step up. Mm -hmm. I think one of the underlying things in the group were we were all a bunch of people who were kind of looking for our tribe, and we're always kind of little outcasts. We're like, we don't fit into the world the way the world works. We're a little different, and it's hard to find people like us. And we came together and found people like us. And so that was a great journey. And I, there were just so many things. One thing led to the other. And I was introduced to so many great people and kind of got a peek behind the scenes of how did they build their great lists? How do they live the life of their dreams? How do they create their happiness? How do they build habits? How do they do all of these types of things? And how do you create success? So it was kind of like the curtain was opened and I got to see what was going on behind it. That's awesome. So you had talked about being vulnerable, and I think that's something that we as a society don't do enough, where we get so caught up in, um, like we had talked before about expectation, but we also get caught up in the ego of who we are and are not willing to say, hey, you know what, I need help. And especially in the times that we're living in today, right now, we absolutely have to be willing to be vulnerable and say, hey... I need some help. So kudos for you for asking for help or for saying what you needed. So many people don't even say what they needed, but kudos to them for offering to help someone. Yeah, it was a great group in that sense in that everybody, I, I guess it was a curated to that, that was the attitude and that was the expectation that don't show up here and ask for stuff until you show up here and give stuff. Yes. So that was kind of the attitude of the group. And that's the way it was built with that attitude in mind. And so it's been, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. It, it was just a lot of fun to be able to help others. And so that's, what's really, cause I've coached, you know, kids and a lot of things. And I, I think that's the biggest joy when you can watch a kid who doesn't know that he can play the game, score his first goal in soccer, you see an instant 180 degrees of the way that kid behaves. And it's just fun to watch that and to be part of that. And to to see people, what once they have success, how it just changes their entire life. I love that. And you answered a question, my next question. <laughs> so that's awesome. I'm not even going to ask it now. Um, so we're going to go back to uh, being vulnerable. Tell us, so being a, an immigrant at the age of two, that you 
must have been vulnerable at that age and, and coming into something completely new, even though you may not have remembered, um, you know, where you're from and everything. But how did that transition like shape you to who you are today? So actually, that was the opposite type of a, a situation. I'm from India, and when we came here, we pretty much had to start over at the bottom. And I saw people, the community that my parents came over with, they also had friends that had come on over around the same time. So the one thing they had was, and I, I guess I didn't realize it, but looking back, they had an abundance mindset. They were all like, hey, you can do anything you want in this world, the choice is yours. And the expectation was that everyone was going to be successful. And very quickly, I saw that entire community have success. But that was that community. And it was a tiny little community that we were a part of. But then I was in the real world. And so as a kid, you're growing up with parents who behave very differently than how the society that you're growing up in behaves. And this was like late 60s, early 70s. So if you go back to that time frame, and even in the area that I grew up in, the world was very black and white, mm -hmm. right? And it was somewhat segregated still. Mm -hmm. They were still doing school segregation and all of those types of things. So the town I lived in, you know, the half of the town was very wealthy and white. The other half of the town um, was African-American and not so wealthy. And in the middle is me. And people are like, well, are you black or white? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not either. So it's kind of being stuck. So I think growing up in that space and not having that group created a protective armor. Mm -hmm. So it was the opposite. It was literally building the armor around you. And so there's good and bad to that. When you build that kind of armor around you, you have the strength to push through anything. Mm -hmm. But at the same point, you're not vulnerable, right? So even though you have the strength to push through things that takes a lot more energy than being able to to have the success without having to do all of that pushing and to be much more accepting. So I think I, later in life, I learned to be better about telling the story. And as part of that whole journey also is I, I grew up with good money scripts because of what I had learned. And I see now with what I do on my podcast, like one of the first questions I ask is, tell me about when you were growing up and how'd you learn about money? Because we don't talk about money in an American society. Um, and so that's that's been very interesting to watch as well. And I've been very, very vulnerable with my money stories because even though I've had financial success, I've made a lot of stupid mistakes mm -hmm. um, along the way. And as a matter of fact, as we're recording this, I'm calm, but in 2008, I was not calm. <laughs> when that market crashed, I freaked out, right? Mm -hmm. and so that cost me a lot of money. We're in the midst of turmoil again. And, and the question is, is, is learning how to, to turn off that, that instinct that we naturally have. Because one of the things that I've learned is when you look at your 401k statements or your bank balances and they're dropping dramatically because of what's happening in the stock market, it lights up the same part of your brain that would light up if a tiger jumped out of the woods at you. So it causes you to freak out. Sure. Um, we have to learn to control ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so right now I've, I've learned from my mistakes so I can now control myself going forward um, and saying, you know what, stay put. This too shall pass, right? 
Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, definitely. Uh, you're talking about fear, and fear is so many people's drivers in their life, which is um, one of the reasons I became a certified fearless living coach is to help others break through their fear and really be able to transform their own stuff into um, something that's rewarding, right? So I, I say trauma into treasure. It doesn't have to be a an actual like, uh, you know, brain, traumatic brain injury. However, losing all your money in the stock market is a trauma because that's what's, like you said, firing up like your tiger's chasing you. It's firing up those uh, trauma uh, senses in your brain. We all have trauma. And sometimes when we look at other people's trauma, we're like, really? That's what you're upset about? But yet, to us, if that's what we're thinking, then it is true trauma to us. Absolutely. And it could be something teeny. And it could be some. a lot of times, I think, the, the traumas we hold aren't even real. Like, we misread a situation that caused us to believe something. And it just wasn't real. So, I mean, you know, fear is false evidence appearing real, right? And most of the time, I think a lot of this stuff is false. And yet, we're stuck in that loop. And so, it's it's learning to let go of that, that loop. Mm. And, and that's been, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. For me, this has been a probably a nine plus year journey at this point. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you keep, you can't go from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain. And that's why people who win the lottery lose all their money in two, three years. You've got to go through the process and the process isn't easy. And you've got to keep taking the next step and finding the next thing to move you forward and, and just doing the work. So it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've been to events that I, you know, I've been to Tony Robbins. I never thought I'd, you know, do something like that. Um, I took my wife. It was phenomenal for her. I've been to Brandon Bouchard. I've done a lot of Seth Godin's types mm -hmm. of things. Each of these people just gets you, you know, one step closer to the next step. And you kind of have to go through the journey. And that's, I mean, nobody wants to do that, right? <laughs> but either either you stay stagnant or you grow. And that's the choice. And if you're staying stagnant and everyone else is growing, then you're going backwards. Right. Wow. This is why we're friends. <laughs> so I asked myself this question and I just kind of live from it is, what is it that I don't know that I need to know in order to move forward? And the next step, what's the next step is always been my go-to of, okay, so what is next? And I love how you pinpointed all these different things that you invested in yourself because now it shows up in your life. It shows up as uh, you, once you learn something, you can't unlearn it. So gosh, there's so many things I want to pinpoint on. Um, so I also did a lot of Seth Godin things. So maybe we cross paths in there too and didn't even, we're probably alumni of the same thing. And um, one of the things about trauma is if you have a trauma that's happened to you, like let's say some sort of uh, abuse or accident or um, diagnosis, and then you have a stress, your brain starts to take that stress and it reacts in your brain like a trauma. So um, for example, if you have a car accident and you are hurt, that's a trauma. 
If you then a years later have a flat tire, that's a stress. However, your brain, if you're, it's not had time to reset itself, it will start firing in your brain like a trauma. And then we get triggered back into that old way of thinking, like you said, where we get stuck in that continuous loop. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And we blame ourselves. And that's, that's where my whole, um, journey began is really starting to tear away, peel away those layers and get rid of them and go, okay, we got to focus on something else here going forward. So what has been an, uh, an obstacle that you have gone through where you really had to do that? I know you said that these are all the steps that you've taken that, which is amazing. Congratulations. So what was the driving force to make you take that action? Part of the driving force, I think, is kids, right? They, they all have a tendency to drive you forward. Um, part of it was also, I think there were two things. So there were two underlying things that I saw. As a kid, as I mentioned, you know, we saw these people from my parents' generation have to start over twice. We saw them have tremendous success, and people were at different spectrums here. But one of the things that was always talked about is the first generation works hard. The second generation gets propelled Mm. and really has financial success. The third generation is protected and coddled because the second generation says, I don't want you to have to struggle. And so the third generation usually implodes. And so my kids were going to be the third generation. So it was like, how do I fix that? So I think that was one of the the big underlying things there. Um, And then the second thing is growing up, I think we used to go through a lot more recessions or maybe, I don't know, I used to read the Wall Street Journal. I was one of those nerdy kids. But I would always hear these stories of people in their early 50s that would lose their job and their whole life would crumble down upon them. Yeah. And so I was, I had this kind of thing in the back of my mind. I will never be 50 years old and have my life crumble. So I need to prepare for that. So I think that was, those were the two probably driving forces. One drove me to build wealth so that if that day came and Literally, that day did come. Um, not in the way, not in the worst case scenario, but it, it, in some senses. And so, I think those were probably the two underlying things that drove me. Nice and pushed me towards change and doing that. And I've constantly, as my kids were growing up, I constantly had to step out of my comfort zone, and we were constantly trying to find a better path. And so that kept that from happening. And I'm one of those people, I don't need to lead, but in the absence of leadership, I will step up. And so I think a lot of times when my kids were growing up, I got put into situations because nobody else was willing to do it. Um, So that came from coaching soccer. And then eventually I started coaching robotics and I don't know anything about these subjects, but I learned the principles and I, and I viewed it through their eyes. So when I was coaching soccer, I didn't know how to play soccer. 
I didn't know the rules, and I didn't know this is the way you're supposed to do things. What I knew is, hey, I've got a bunch of kids, and they behave a certain way. How do I utilize their behaviors and their current level to take them from where they're at and push them one step ahead? And one of the ways that I learned that was early on, we would, we would lose all the time. And so I would watch. I'd go like, well, how did he beat me? And they go, oh, that team did this, and that's how they beat me. Mm. And this team did that, and that's how they beat Like, every team seemed to have one trick that they knew that they could utilize to, to win against other teams. And so over time, I took all the tricks from all these different groups, and I'm like, okay, now I got it. And... The other part of that is when you're dealing with kids is you have to manage the kids. If you've ever had to manage a bench full of kids in a soccer game, you'll, you'll understand the, the, the frustration of that. And towards the end, like when I was doing middle school, I had 25 kids on the team, right? It's, you know, 11 are on the field. I got to manage 14 on the bench as much as I do 11 on the field. And we took a team. When I took over, the team was, I think, about 1-11. and 11. And I was like, there is no reason for us to be 1-11. and 11. And within two years, we went from 1-11 and 11 to 11-1. and one. Um, And on top of that, we had 80% of those kids scored a goal. So if you can think of it, not, less than 50% of them are on the field. When you're on the field, half of you are on defense, and yet – we can have these kinds of results. And I think a part of that comes back to Seth Godin, right? Seth Godin says, why are you picking who's going to play and who's not going to play and who's going to have success? I just said, where do you naturally play on the field? And that's where we're going to put you to where you naturally play, not where I need you. Mm. And where do your talents work best? And then we will practice the handful of things that caused all these other teams to win. And each of you will have those handful of strategies so that when the opportunities present themselves, we're going to execute with this. And so in soccer, there are only certain times that we can execute. We can execute on a kickoff. We can execute on a throw-in. We can execute on a corner kick. We can execute right after someone scores a goal. So right after goalie picks up a ball, even if he just picks it up because he caught it, everybody on the field goes from like a 10 to a 5. Like all the kids' shoulders go down. Everybody relaxes because the goalie has the ball. I said, we're going to do the opposite of what everyone else does. The moment the goalie gets the ball, we go into action. And so you're going to charge the goalie as he goes to kick it. So you're going to cause him maybe to drop the ball. Um, or you're going to turn around because half the kids aren't even watching where the, where the ball is being kicked. So let's, we'll, regardless, if we're on the side that we're against the goalie, then we're going to attack. And if we're on the side where we're receiving the ball, then we're going to actually step down. We're going to wait for everyone to get into position. We're going to take a deep breath and then we're going to work with a little bit more intention. And we just practice those things over and over again. And the kids just, they pick it up, and when they see how to do it and they see success, they just follow. And, you know, at the end of the day, I wasn't teaching kids to play soccer. I was teaching boys to be men. So we were teaching the principles of how do you do these types of things. Wow. And what a beautiful analogy for business, right? You learn from other people. You take their tricks, and then you apply it to yourself. 
you practice those and then you execute the strategies. That's it. It's not secret, right? That's awesome. You just have to do the hard work. And that's the thing. Like practice should be harder than the game. And when you do that and you do it with intentionality and you do it over and over again, it just becomes routine. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. So I'm writing down practice should be harder than the game. What a true statement. I love that. If you can look back at what your hard work has been, your quote unquote doing the work, what do you think was probably the, the if there was one thing that you could pick goes, yes, that was it, was more instrumental in your success than anything else? So I think there's two things. Um, one is on the financial side. The moment I got out of college and I started my first lack of a you know real job, I set up automated savings mm-hmm. in a variety of different multiple streams of automated savings. So it wasn't just the 401k. It was the 401k, the company stock, the credit union. Um, I had an, a brokerage account outside of all of that. So after tax money. And I started with very small amounts going into everything. And then over time, little by little, I increased the amounts being saved. And so that, without me thinking and putting any effort, I think that was a big part of how I built financial wealth. On the other side, it's just showing up. You know, we talked about as a kid, you know, you kind of built that that wall around you. Well, that wall just allowed me to just keep showing up. like. In spite of obstacles, you just show up and you just keep going. And so I think those two kind of underlying themes are are what it is. So the negative of my childhood created the positive of my adulthood of just, you just deal with it. You stand back up and you go again because that's just what life is, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we talked about that before the call is, you know, for business owners, you can't just give up. And too often, I see that a lot, like I see it with the real estate investors, people buy one house that they're going to rent or they're going to flip or something, and they fail at it the first time, and then they give up. I'm like, but you learned everything. Now you can show back up and do better. And they don't. And I think sometimes that happens to business owners, right? You start a business, it doesn't go well, you get scarred, and then you don't show back up again. But that's what you have to do is consistently show up time and time again. It's not easy. The people who've had success keep showing up. If you look at Microsoft, you know how many crappy products? Like every product they come out with starts as crap. And then they fix it little by little by little. And they take forever to do a decent job. Um, but they keep showing up. And they keep coming. So that's what we also have to do. Keep showing up. Put something out into the world. Maybe it's not perfect and just keep improving. Listen to your customers, make the changes and keep, keep doing it. I love that. And our, I'll say our mentor, Seth Godin would say, just ship it. Just ship it. Yeah. It's got to be decent, but yeah, at some point you've got to let go. Yeah. I love that you talk about the wall that you've put up, but it's not really a a wall as in a protection of yourself and, and not willing to be uh, open what it sounds like to me is that the wall is really your community, that you were, had the uh, good fortune of literally being brought into 
this culture of other immigrants from the same country as you, you had a community to lean on. We, we did. So I think the community taught me values, but it wasn't as a kid. You need other kids around you that are at the same thing. And we didn't have as much of that because we were spread out. So even though we had the community, it was the home base on the day to day. It wasn't there as much. Um, and I, I did build that wall. I think it wasn't until much later in life that I learned to take the wall down and build much better relationships. So if it, like 10 years ago, this wouldn't have happened. Like, mm. I wouldn't have been at a conference. I wouldn't have reached out and said, hey, let's chat. Let's do something. How can I help you? That wasn't that wasn't who I was. I was kind of hidden in my own little world mm-hmm. doing my own thing. But it's breaking down that wall. And I'm an introvert. So going up to people and doing things isn't easy. Well, you're doing really well at it now. <laughs> it's practice, right? It yes. takes time and work. And then it's 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 also so they talk about survival of the fittest, and I think people get that wrong. People think survival of the fittest means the strongest. It's not. Survival of the fittest is you find the skills that you have and you do the work that fits your skills. So when when those two come together, that's what fittest is in that you fit the situation and it's appropriate for you. And that's, I think, a big struggle. And that's one of the things I did is everyone's chasing somebody else's dream, not their own. And so you've got to figure out what is the work, the dream, the life that fits you. And then when you're living in harmony with that, well, then life is easy. (laughs) So one of the things that really resonates with me is that you you did build a wall you build a wall to protect yourself and I had done that as well and my journey started about 11 years ago um as two and it is because I was in an abusive relationship a trauma relationship I was able to go okay I have to figure out why I was in a relationship like this and how to make sure I don't do it again. And it is a practice. I I love that you talked about earlier, stepping out of your comfort zone. I say I'm a practitioner of stepping out of my comfort zone. And now I, I coach others and helping them step out of their comfort zone. So like, like an example is mine was, uh, I got out of the, the abusive relationship. Was there a turning point for you that showed up that you're like, you know what? Now I have to take stock in me. I have to invest in me. I have to start taking that introversion of wall and go, you know what? I can be something else. I just have to practice. Was there something that got you there? I don't think there was a defining moment. I know some people hit rock bottom and then that becomes their defining moment. There wasn't that one defining moment for me. I I think it was just opportunities presented themselves and I finally listened that's probably the biggest thing. I think for a big part of my life, I I was always taught in the American way is always to do it alone, mm. right? That's what we grew up with. I grew up in the, you know, the John Wayne generation of, you know, you do it yourself. You don't ask for help. Mm. And so I spent, I think, a good of my time behaving like that. And I think it was little things of learning to ask for help and little things of becoming more involved 
that slowly changed that. So it wasn't this overnight catharsis. Not, there was no defining event. It was more just opportunities and things that presented themselves little by little that caused the, the change to occur. So now I know that you have your own business. And at one point you were um, working for the IRS or maybe you still are. Can you? No, so it's that's so the 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 I you know when you when you do things with the government they have a you have to follow their wording. Gotcha. So I'm an enrolled agent, which basically means that I do taxes and I'm allowed to represent people before the IRS. Gotcha. So I never worked for the IRS. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. And I so that was the you know those are the things you learn. Even though I I've always been one to. I don't love taxes. I, I, I hate paying taxes. And so I've always been one to understand the code to figure out how not to pay taxes. Ah. My wife's a CPA, so she's a tax attorney. And so I, I went through and I did that just so that, again, you have one of those skills that's always valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, and it fit me, right? Because reading the tax code was, fine for me and, and figuring out loopholes was was interesting to me. What I've since learned is I hate doing the actual taxes. I, I do the consulting is what I much more prefer. But yeah, I left the corporate world actually only last year. Oh. I was building a side business for probably five or six years. And so I was planting my seeds because I knew that I was going to walk away at some point. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know the date. And so I was constantly building the financial coaching business because that's where I figured that again was my fit. It's what I loved. It's what I could help people with. It's what I knew how to do successfully. And I finally found a way to do it that was in line in congruence with my, my ethics and values. Cause in the past, what I saw is most of the people in the financial world are salespeople. They're, they don't even understand money and they're selling you crap that you don't need because it pays them a big commission. And I really struggled with that. So when I found a way that I could help people and do that, then that that's where I started building the practice based on helping people ethically. And then the last shift came was when I found out that business owners were just as bad as people and that business owners don't actually understand the business of business. They don't like looking at their financial reports. They don't understand them. They, they give them a, you know, a headache to even think about the numbers. I was like, that's the perfect place for me. And then part of that, I found Profit First, which is Mike McCallowitz's book. And so it came down to a question of, do I do, do I build something myself or do I not reinvent the wheel and join somebody who's doing it? And so I joined up with Profit First and I, I help business owners then take that. That's kind of the underlying thing. Once we get rid of the financial pressure and you have runway and space, well, then now we can start working on everything else in your life and we can figure out how to build your business that complements your life and not out of harmony with your life. I think for so many people, the business sucks up the rest of their life. And that's why they end up divorced. That's why their kids don't talk to them. That's why their health is lost and all those types of things. You've got to build a life that's in harmony. And how do you bring all those things together? And so I come at it, you know, people come at this whole space from very different places. I come at it from the financial standpoint. 
once we get your money down and you've got space to breathe, then you can start doing everything else you want along this journey. I love that. And when people work with you, do they work with you for um, just one session or a series of sessions? How does that work? Change takes time, right? And so basically, I usually tell most clients, we're going to work together for a minimum of a year. Um, and we're going to walk through the journey. We'll figure out your finances. We'll figure out how your business is running. We'll put systems and processes in place to ensure that as soon as the money comes into your business, that it goes to the appropriate place. You know, business owners forget that they have to pay taxes. You know, it's not shocking. It happens every year at the same exact time. Prepare for it. Many business owners don't pay themselves first, right? They pay themselves last. You're putting your time and effort into this business. You've got to be able to make sure that you get paid. So making those types of financial decisions. And if you're not looking at the numbers and you're not measuring them, you're going to make bad choices, not because of anything other than you're just not paying attention, right? When we pay attention, we can make better choices. And so I help them pay better attention. I take all the fear around money, all of the stress around money, and and I remove it from them. So I kind of, I help coach them through that and teach money mastery for the business owners so that they can make better choices in their business. And then we also see how their business fits in with their life. So, you know, when I talk to my, uh, the people that I coach, we're not just talking about their business. We're talking about their spouses. We're talking about their kids. We're talking about their health. We're talking about everything. You know, we'll even talk about their religious beliefs and, you know, how are you doing with that part of life? How are you doing with building relationships? And all of these things have to fit together. If, if one part of it isn't working, it's going to drag the entire rest of your life and business down. So you've got to do those types of things. And so that's, that's basically what I do for my clients. That's wonderful. And you're so right. As a coach, I know that if something is not right, is not working, especially with me looking at fear, if there's a fear in one place, there's probably a fear in all the other ones. You just, you um, word it differently, but it shows up in the same. So how can people work with you, Rocky? Just email me. We'll start with a short conversation to say, <laughs> hey, are you ready to be coached? Because that's part of it. Number one, I think people need to be ready to want to change. And you would think everybody is. Most people aren't. Most people don't want to do the hard work. They don't want to do those types of things. I, when I lost weight, that was the funniest thing because you lose 30, 40 pounds and people start, are you okay? Are you sick? No, I'm not sick. I'm fine. And, you know, well, how'd you do it? And well, diet and exercise. And that ended the conversation, right? <laughs> so it's the same thing in the business world. You, you've got to be willing to essentially do the diet and exercise of building your business and your life. And if you're willing to do that and you want to take the journey then the question is, Is am I the right person for you? Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. And, and that you can hear by seeing, you know, do my values and the way I do things fit with what you're looking for? And if we're both a fit from either side, right, then, then let's work together. If we're not, so be it. I'm okay with that too. That's awesome. That's how I work too. Um, there's a million coaches out there. I'm only working with the ones who it's a, we're both aligned on the same path, so. I agree with you. So how can people connect with you? What are your social media? What was your email that you said people can email you at? 
Sure. So there's a couple things. Um, the website is profitcomesfirst.com, and that's the, the business website. My podcast is Richer Soul. So R-I-C-H-E-R, Soul, S-O-U-L. And on Richer Soul, you can hear a lot of what we just talked about. We'll go into much more depth with a lot of different experts in those different areas. Um, the email, you can just the email. It's rocky at richersoul.com or rocky at profitcomesfirst.com. They both come to me. Um, and even on the websites, there's usually somewhere on there, there's a link to just grab some time on my calendar as well. But check out both sites. You'll get to know me as a person. You'll get to hear me more and see if it is something you want to pursue. Awesome. And can people connect with you on social media, LinkedIn, anything like that? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. It's it's my name. Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, there is a Richer Soul Facebook page, so you can go on there. I'm on Twitter under my name. Um, those are probably the, the main places. And uh, spell your name for us. So first name is Rocky, R-O-C-K-Y. Last name is Lalvani, L-A-L. V is in Victor, A-N-I. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rocky, for being here. And I always like to leave with this last question. So what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? So my underlying phrase is iron sharpens iron. But there's a second part to that, which is accept the sharpening. Right? Everyone wants to sharpen somebody else. But who actually wants to get sharpened? I mean, if you think about that, you put a piece of steel up against a grinding bar and you're going to get sparks and heat. And that's what it takes to be sharpened. And so accept the sharpening. Accept the sharpening. I love that. And you're speaking my language. It creates sparks and heat. And <laughs> and that's what, you know, that's the whole reason of me doing this, this podcast is to really show how empowered people empowered people and it ignites a spark of hope love connection community like we've been talking about and when we do that the whole world lights up so thank you for being here thank you so much for having me shay it's been a pleasure to join you today are you looking for an inspiring and energetic speaker or host for your special event Do you wish to have more confidence, more love, and more accepting of yourself? And you're curious about how to work with me one-on-one? Or are you looking for a brainstorming and visionary consultant on how to grow your business? When your answer is yes, then I invite you to send me an email at heyshay at shaysparks.com. That's H-E-Y-S-H-A at S-H-A-S-P-A-R-K-S dot com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you for being a part of our show. And it's people like you that make this show possible. So we hope that you know you are appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share this podcast. And when you want to continue the fun and conversation, 
Join my official community on the Shay Sparks Facebook page. That's S-H-A-S-P-A-R-K-S on Facebook. Looking forward to connecting with you. May your day be filled with the sparks of hope that unites you to invest in yourself and the people around you. Why, you may ask? Because you are worth it.